This podcast is a member of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts and content creators, visit bio.link slash red5. Right, welcome to another edition of the Scare Scuttlebutt Podcast. This is your host, one of three here at the Scare Podcast. Thank you for joining us tonight. We have a really cool series of shows. I, I, I say series. We we haven't uh, obviously. This is the top of the show. I have a feeling this is going to be a two-parter because uh, we picked a topic tonight that uh, that everybody seems to love. We're really excited, and with me we have a guest co-host. It's she's really like our our almost regular guest uh, co-host, Melanie Marquita. How goes things, Melanie? How are you? Fantastic. Good to hear your voice. You too. And um, we are talking about uh, a little series uh, way back in the 70s um, called Space 1999. And we're, I'm very excited. Are you? Yes. It was, it was one of my favorite things to play as a kid. Oh, my God. Me too. And I, I think I, I rediscovered it. Uh, what is it? Last, was it last year or two years ago? I think it was, it was about a year and a half ago. It was on IMDb. And I remember watching it as a kid. I don't remember if I watched it, you know, before Star Wars or if I was watching reruns. Um, obviously, you know, my um, my love for Star Wars supersedes any memory that I have. So mm-hmm. um, that, uh, you know, we'll we'll see what uh, we'll see what the memory kind of digs up after the show. But uh, we had somebody else that's, that was very excited about uh, sharing our discussion on Space 1999. And uh, the more the merrier because, uh, you know, the more people we get, it's a party. We've got uh, Danielle Pajak. Danielle, mm-hmm. how are you tonight? I'm doing great. Thank you for having Ex- me on. <laughs> no problem. No problem. Like I said, uh, we love collaborating. This is your first mm-hmm. time on the Scarif podcast. Welcome. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. <laughs> So, um, Melanie, uh, once again, you outdid yourself. These notes are wonderful. Um, and I guess I'll, I'll applaud both of you guys because uh, your, uh, Danielle, your additions to the notes were, were incredibly thorough. And, uh, you know, it's you. obviously I'm very excited about uh, talking about Space 1999. I'm going to ask you guys first, what is it about Space 1999 that uh, that you love? I'll uh, I'll go with Danielle first. All right. Um, well, I'm a huge um, science fiction fan. Um, I've I read. I love everything from the golden age of sci-fi to you know just modern science fiction. Um, what I love about Space 1999 was the fact that it's so cerebral, um, thoughtful, philosophical. Um, I love um, science fiction that delves into the deep ideas of, um, you know, existential ideas. Um, I also love, um, you know, 70s um, science fiction, um, you know, 
whether it be books, shows, um, movies. I just think that during that that era, they had a, they were really um, creative, imaginative. They were exploring. Um, I just like the aesthetics, the vibe. Um, I'm very much into um, natural um, effects, so I love I love matte pa- matte paintings. Um, you know, people might think that the sets are kind of cheesy or something like that, but I, I like the realness of the sets and the and the creativity of the sets. And and Space Ninety Nine has beautiful sets, like of of the planets and um, of um, the different places that they visit. And it just, and of course, the Moon Base Alpha is beautifully designed. So I, you know, sure. I just I just love the whole vibe of the show. Yeah, it definitely has a certain charm that is uh, mm-hmm. very unique. Um, you know, it sets itself apart even from, you know, the science fiction series before that, Star Trek, the original series. Uh, mm-hmm. Kids and kids and existential movies. Sound familiar, Melanie? A little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. Yeah, we uh, we did a show on uh, the black hole, and we were discussing the end oh. of that. And uh, Melanie and her sister were small children. Were when dear old dad said, "All right, kids, let's talk about that ending." <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I, I haven't yeah. seen that one. I've been I've been meaning to, um, but yeah, that's cool. Yeah, there's a lot of metaphors yeah. in there. C- come back and let us know what you think. Oh, okay. Yeah, I will. But Melanie, what what is it about Space 1999 that uh, that you uh, like? Well, I liked it because um, it had a certain let's see, what's a good way to say this DIY ability about it as a kid, mm-hmm. because a lot of the set pieces and a lot of uh, like the scans they use and the and the boards they have, you could make yourself. <laughs> Which wasn't uh-huh. a bad, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm not, you know, I don't mean mm-hmm. that in a bad way. Because, I mean, it, it gave you a certain participation in it that you couldn't have with other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. And, and yeah, go ahead. And it, it sort of lent itself to that. And especially in the first season, there's enough breathing room in the show that you could really sort of make adventures between the ones you were seeing, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So 1975 is a long time ago, and um, <laughs> Space 1999, um, can you guys uh, explain the premise? What is the story point? And if you haven't seen it, spoilers, yeah, it's, it's really old, <laughs> but uh, we still got to see it. You guys still got to you know, drop that little disclaimer. What's the premise, Melanie? Okay, but 1975 spoilers? We have to do that. <laughs> yeah. You never know. Get over yourselves. You've had plenty of time. <laughs> it's free. You can watch it for free. I'm just saying. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, the premise is that the far side of the moon, our moon, has become a dumping ground for nuclear waste. And on September 13th, 1999, there's an explosion that sends the moon along with moon base alpha and it's 311 residents out of earth's orbit and into deep space. Oh no. And so once this separation occurs, then they are looking for a home mm-hmm. and it's 
involves a lot of science, as Danielle was saying. I mean, there's traversing through black holes, there's space warps, they're in the far reaches of the universe, and they meet all sorts of alien beings and different planets and phenomena mm-hmm. along the way. Yeah, and it's funny, as a kid, you don't you don't realize, you know, the ramifications scientifically of right. uh, the moon ripping out of Earth's orbit. Um, and Danielle's got uh, a, a funny note on there. You know, we don't know what happens to Earth. No. I mean, theoretically, we do know what might happen to, to our planet if uh, the moon were to just suddenly, you know, run off on its own. Yeah, yeah, I would... Uh, um... I, I, I thought I liked that the show didn't let you know what happened to Earth. Um, they kind of like hint at it like from uh, the video feed. But um, yeah, you don't know what happens to whether or not humanity ends up surviving or not. Um, and of course, you know, it would, it would make Earth very unstable, um, inhabitable. Maybe people could move underground um, to survive um, that you know, it, the earth wouldn't just immediately like die off, but it would be very, um, yeah, very in, inhabitable. <laughs> I think nowadays with streaming, uh, you know what? I just got an idea. We should all um, write letters to, I don't know, where, where would you see a show like this streamed if it were to be revived? Because season one could be. You know the what happens to uh, to the residents of uh, Moonbase Alpha, and then season mm-hmm. two could be you know everything that happens on the Earth, and we can go back and forth in between seasons. I think that would be awesome. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. the only streaming service I can think of that would probably be interested in doing something like that would be Apple. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have they have the most they have the most science fiction shows currently playing um, that are. Not they're pretty decent, not horrible like Netflix, but <laughs> um, I don't really like Netflix at all. <laughs> One of the things that um, that uh, Melanie you had said uh, you had mentioned uh, regarding some of the props, some of the real world props, the the keyboards and the buttons and stuff like that. And obviously um, we'll get to season two, you know, later on tonight. But you know, the first season. Um, the, uh, the main area of Moonbase Alpha was pretty cool. They, they dumbed it down mm-hmm. in the second season for, mm-hmm. for, for, uh, obviously budgetary reasons, whatever. But, um, you know, one of the, th- one of the things that I really love about the show, and I think I can say the same thing about the original Battlestar Galactica is all the screens, all the buttons were real. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, it, for Galactica, there's a company called Textronics, which the, the regular, um, audiences weren't aware, but that was a company that uh, the broadcast and television world or industry used for test equipment, like scopes and uh, mm-hmm. and you know visual scales. Um, being in TV, you know, I, I kind of recognized some of the uh, some of the instruments. So I'm like, oh, that's that's cool. Um, but yeah, you, you talk about the tactility of the um, of the props on set. Uh, and you're right. Uh, you know, you can probably go to uh, like back in the day. What was it like a Radio Shack and pick up mm-hmm. a couple of switches and buttons, put something together, and uh, and you're uh, you know you're a member of Moonbase Alpha. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. My my sister and I took apart 
um, old board games, like a game of life, oh, you know, yeah. and so we'd have the thing to turn and so things would make noises. But it, I mean, it was a highly creative time to be a kid because oh, we oh, couldn't yeah. really get the toys. I mean, the toys were really hard to find. Mm. So wanted, we never really uh, had the toys from the show. Yeah. I, oh man, I begged my parents to get me one of the Eagles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, never found it. And now and see, they're Penny, on eBay, Penny's didn't, but they're Penny's expensive. didn't carry them. So my dad couldn't yeah. get them. <laughs> he was a big help with the Star Wars, but not so much with the Space 1999. Oh, those oh. JCPenney. Hey, he was and a manager. I got an employee discount on my Star Wars. Nice. Thank you very much. It was fantastic. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Um, and somebody just posted that uh, they remember the font and the oh, yeah. signs and the displays oh, and the mm-hmm. costumes. Yeah, um, yeah oh, the font Je- is... Such a wonderful good. font. But it's funny yeah. what people notice. Oh, that's mm-hmm. your sister, yeah. Jet Rose. Oh, yeah, that's my sister. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's funny what people notice. Yeah. I'm like, I, I noticed the font. Okay. <laughs> she, she's, she's big on fonts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She tracked. She actually tracked that font down. Oh, really? Oh she owns that font. Wow. Oh, awesome! <laughs> What's it this called? Awesome. Oh, I'll have to ask her what it's called. It's got uh, a name. I'll ask. I'll ask. Sure I'll text does. her. She'll tell yeah. me. Yeah. Technology. Yeah, I would love to know. Because <laughs> I'm a, I'm a graphic um, artist, so I love oh, font nice. designs too. Yeah. Perfect. This, um, what is the, the name of the production company? And I will always remember their logo um, for as long as I live. And uh, the, uh, the British company that, uh, that did the, the show. Are you talking about I, the ITC logo? Yes, the ITC logo. Just that, that damn logo is ingrained in my, in my mm-hmm. head. <laughs> Because you saw it all the time as a kid because I watched oh, yeah. the show. What other show? There's another show that, that had that logo on there, but I can't remember what it was. But I just I, I remember it. I remember it. Um, let's um, – before we started recording, Melanie, when uh, before you got here, I was telling Danielle that I really loved the 70s uh, song. It was so um, groovy, man. Yeah. Yes. That, that intro was so groovy. And – you know, you have the option to skip um, intros when you're watching, you know, shows uh, on whatever streaming channel. I, I never skip the intro. I never no, skip it. No, no, no way. me either. Skip all the this episode business? No. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. I know. I love that. You know, and IMDb really gave you uh, a, a look uh, on each episode. Um, you can hit the pause and go into a behind the scenes uh, text image, and it'll mm-hmm. tell you like what happened um, in that particular episode behind the scenes. Um, they had some, you know, production issues where they shot uh, some episodes out of sequence, and they referenced 
in, in an early episode, they referenced something that hadn't happened yet, which they never caught. So it's really it's it's if you get a chance to rewatch it, the the IMDb um, app does have I forgot what it was called, but you you hit the pause and then you have the ability to kind of uh, take a look at some of those behind the scenes screens, which is really cool. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about those actors because um, they are some power hitting performances on, um, mm-hmm. you know, a, a while ago we talked about how, you know, science fiction really was a, a genre that was looked down upon um, mm-hmm. for actors. You know, you ha- obviously you have in the literary, in the literary world, it would be almost like, you know, nobody wants to, nobody wants to write comic books. They're, you know, they're uh, toiling away at the, their next uh, great American novel. But, um, you know, we've got Martin Landau, who is a wonderful trained actor. Um, Barbara Bain, we've got a lot of great um, actors. Mm -hmm. And I think that is one of the reasons that the stories worked out so well, because they Mm -hmm. were treated seriously. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, you know, you can kind of forgive the the schlocky production value. Not that it was schlocky, but, you know, it was the uh, early 70s. Um, Mm -hmm. But um, the stories definitely lend themselves uh, a little better when when the actors, you know, take it seriously. And, uh, yeah, there were some really great stories, some really great plots, like you said, Danielle, uh, cerebral Mm -hmm. for sure. But um, what do you guys, uh, what are some of your favorite actors or characters in the show season one and uh, maybe some storylines that you like? Probably my favorite character is Alan, um, which is kind of hard because I love all the characters. So it's kind of hard to choose. Um, I also I really love Victor too. But um, yeah, Alan is so, um, he just makes me laugh. Um, so usually when I, when I, uh, my favorite characters are usually the science-based characters like Spock. You know, Spock is my favorite character on Star Trek. Um, but what you know, Space 1999 is unique in the fact that all most of the characters are science scientists. On um, this is a science base, um, so Alan's kind of like the odd man out. He's the action guy. Um, you know, yeah. he's the guy who always has to do something he always has to be um jumping in um solving the solving the problems um so i just think he's funny how he uh is always uh you know jumping in and not thinking before he does it (laughs) and he usually ends up getting into a lot of trouble because (laughs) yeah let's let's shoot it first see what happens yeah 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 um but yeah, and then of course that you know I love Victor. Um, you know he's the he's the one that's the most like a scientist, very clinical. Um, he kind of at first when I was watching it, he kind of turned me off because he seemed so detached and aloof um, from everything that was happening. Um, but then I got used to his his quirks, and that was that was kind of his personality. Like he was very analytical and. Um, looked at things from a, a philosophical intellectual standpoint. And so I, I ended up um, really appreciating his um, perspective and his character. Um, he had, you know, he had a lot of good lines and, um, you know, I, I liked his friendship with John and, you know, 
he was really cool. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, for a cast that is, uh, for a show that has a, a, such a great ensemble cast, I mean, they, they did give everyone um, a really great role. And yeah. mm-hmm. just like Star Trek, you had the the Holy Trinity in Star Trek. You had Spock, McCoy, and and mm-hmm. and uh, and Captain Kirk. Um, I feel like, you know, uh, John, um, Doctor Bergman, and and uh, Helena Russell were kind of in the same uh, vein there. Even some of the promotional yeah. shots, you know, you've got those three, and. Um, yeah, it's it's really good. Like I said, they they really they really gave each character, you know, some really good um roles, uh some story arcs. Um I know later on, you know, bef- before the season was out, they were the actors were, you know, fighting amongst themselves. Uh we can get into mm-hmm. that later, but uh Melanie, what about you? What are what are some of your favorite uh, aspects of the show when it comes to character and storyline? Well, my favorites were Landau and Bain, but I had watched them in Mission Impossible. Mm, yeah. So I was already ready to see them in something else. Mm, you didn't want um, them typecast? Because, yeah, because when, when, when they left the show, because I mean, I was little when I was watching Mission Impossible. But that was a big deal because I watched it with my dad because and it was a, it, I was watching the grown-up show. You right. Know? Awesome. But they were my favorites. And, you know, he was Roland Hand and she was Cinnamon Carter and she was, you know, glamorous and, you know, and he was the master of disguise. And I just I loved them. And so mm-hmm. to be able to see them here as as, you know, really completely different characters was really great. And and they were so I think and are so different when you watch the two series and you can see the depth of their talent because mm-hmm. it's totally different you know i mean there's a lot of fantasy elements sort of in mission impossible too but in in this show um it's just such a 180 from what they were doing but they were completely committed to it mm-hmm. and and you can tell in the well of actors that they had working in london you know these are stage trained actors and radio oh. actors and mm-hmm. they've been in television so you know they they were able to you know, hit the ground running with the series in a way that sometimes you don't always get. And I think that's why there's this really nice cohesion right from the, right from the start, right from breakaway. Mm, yeah. And yeah, I, I could see that. That you don't really have sometimes, mm-hmm. especially in a sci-fi series where people are kind of trying to find their way a little bit and they seem like they just really went for it and mm-hmm. everybody was committed. Yeah. It does seem like they, uh, they they had a knack for their characters uh, even in the first episode. Um, yes. Like you said, a lot of a lot of series takes a while for the actors to kind of find their their characters. But something about this set of of, of actors really um, really kind of did away with that. I mean, mm-hmm. they were all believable. I think the scripts were were great. The storylines were great. Um, you know that that first season really had some some really great, you know, pure science fiction type uh, stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the first season, especially it's, a, it's not, it's, I, and I don't want to say this in a bad way. It's, it's a serious show. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh yeah. With a lot of serious themes. And I think they were really trying to, you know, do something and say something with the series that sort of, you know, seasons one and two are almost two separate shows. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> and you know this this is uh this is one of the things that um as a you know I guess any Star Trek uh, fan would know you know that pilot was very cerebral and the suits and the studios are like yeah I don't understand it where the, where's the action where's the running where's the laser beams <laughs> mm-hmm. and this you know between the first season the second season of this show you know kind of fell into the same trap mm-hmm. yeah unfortunately <laughs> yeah and it's like I told you I jumped ahead I watched some I rewatched some episodes because I'm in the middle of a rewatch right now but I skipped ahead and went to season two a little bit and it's so frenetic when right. you're, and it's, it's, it's disorienting a little bit and you can really tell, well, I can rant about Fred Freiberger later. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's his fault, but um, I'll never not blame him, but, um, mm. but you can really, it's, it's a really marked difference. It's an amazing difference. All right, friends, time to say thank you and acknowledge all the wonderful souls that help keep the lights on over here at the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. Team Scarif gives you all a heartfelt thanks. We're super lucky to have you. Big thanks to our executor tier patrons, Backyard Tardis, Nick Schaefer, a huge supporter of the Red 5 Network. Go support his channel and catch up on his adventures in locksmithing. Scott and Kim from the Used and Abused Podcast, another Red 5 pod. Look for them on all the socials. Can't forget our other patrons, Rogue One Radio. Thank you, DJ. Steve and Nicole and check out comics and cosmetics Danny's got some lovely takes on comics and uh, cosmetics go subscribe to her show our Miami pal the Frank what's up Frank and Joey Rosales longtime supporter of the scuttlebutt thank you kind sir massive shout out to my co-host and mistress of the dark Chantel of Scarif After Dark and the ever so wonderful Belinda thank you so much and I'm glad you're on this list Big thanks to our other friends, Alex and Jay, and our resident classic Hollywood expert, one of our favorite collaborators, Melanie Marquita. Big hugs to you, my friend. Huge respect to all our patrons. And if you want to help us keep the lights on over here and enjoy the show, head on over to patreon.com slash scuttlebutt. Remember, we can't have the scuttle without the butt. It's always sunny on Scarif with patrons like you. Just a reminder, if you guys want to leave us a voicemail, make sure to save our number in your Rolodex. Dial 773-234-8659. Well, you don't dial anymore, do you? Just make sure you hit the appropriately sequenced numbers to leave a message on the Scarif Scuttlebutt hotline. And that's the Scuttlebutt. Okay, Scuttlebutt friends, last week on our episode of Weapons of Mass Destruction, we told you our friend Nick, his handle is M underscore Nick 89, is launching his very own podcast. And we have a preview right here on the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. Check it out. Nick Flicks, what's in the queue? Hey guys, Nick from Nickflix here. 2023 looks to be a big year for movies. Uh, Kicking it off with the MCU in February is Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Jonathan Majors, who's a star on the rise, looks awesome as Kang. He's also the bad guy in Creed 3, which comes out, uh, I believe, in March or April. So looking forward to seeing him in that. 
Uh, the personal favorite one that I'm looking forward to this year is Guardians 3. The first Guardians is one of my all-time favorite movies. The second Guardians is a fun sequel. But you know James Gunn's going to go all out to complete his trilogy. Uh, maybe the most fascinating movie that has nothing to do with the actual movies, The Flash, with all the off-screen baggage with Ezra Miller. But you do have Michael Keaton coming back as Batman, which is going to be awesome. Uh, another guy returning to a role that people love him in, Harrison Ford with Indiana Jones 5. I can't wait to see what James Mangold does with that movie. Uh, maybe the most fascinating weekend in July we're going to have is Barbie against Oppenheimer. Two huge movies that are very different. Can't wait. And then later in the year, we get Dune Part 2, which I am very excited for that first trailer to drop. I want to know what movies are you looking forward to. Hit me up on Twitter. My handle's M underscore Nick 89. And stay tuned to see what's next in the queue. Danielle, I want to ask you, um, you know, that first season, you know, obviously we're talking about uh, how very um, deep the, the storylines were. Um, mm -hmm. The uh, What is it about this particular science fiction show with its stories um, that, uh, you know, we, we always say, you know, it's, it's stories that make you think. Mm -hmm. um, but why is that so important in science fiction? What do you think? Um, yeah, well, I think, you know, science fiction um, has this unique ability um, to, um, you know, ex explore reality, explore truth. And the way I, I like to see it is like exploring the negative spaces. So, you know, science fiction is often about what isn't there, what we don't know. It's the unknown. Um, we're exploring strange new worlds, as Star Trek would say. Um, pushing the borders, the boundaries, the limits of our understanding and, and of, of, of space um, and of our existence. Um, so it's like this this uh, two pronged, um, you know, ex exploration into the outer and inner universe, the physical and the internal, the science and the soul. Um, and we can do that by exploring these empty spaces. Um, it makes me think of the quote from the French mathematician, physicist, and philosopher um, Pascal, where he says, "These internal, eternal silent the the eternal silence of these infinite spaces frightens me." Um, there's something about the you know the infinite, the unknown that. Um, terrifies us, draws us, we have to um, bump our heads against it, explore it, you know, poke and poke and prod it um, to break it open. Um, and I just, you know, science fiction has, it, it, it pushes into those borders. Um, I don't know if you guys wanted to do um, a little thought experiment, experiment, um, to kind of sure. um, illustrate this. Um, so let's, let's think about um, what is the taste of honey? Like how would you uh, define the taste of honey? Like its essence, how would you go about doing that? Like I, you're, you're searching for something other than sweet. Am I correct? Yes. Well, I mean, you could, you could describe it by words. Words are mm -hmm. a one way of describing it. Sweet, you know, uh, the, 
the way that it looks, the color of it. Um, but warm, you know, I would say warm and comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the words can describe it, but the words aren't the essence. So what's like, could we go further? Could we d- uh, break that down further? Like um, we can, we can start describing it in the sense of um, biology, you know, how the, the, our taste buds react with the honey and how that connects to our brain and how that is all connected. Um, so there's the, we can describe it in the sense of biology. Uh, we can describe it in the sense of chemistry, um, like how the molecules fit together. Um, we can describe it in the sense of um, particle physics, you know, how the atoms and the um, electrons are working in the honey. Um, we can describe it in the sense of mathematics, how the numbers, um, the probabilities of the of the particles themselves. So we, we have my, these. My mouth is watering. My mouth is watering. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we have all these different layers that we can we can continue, you know, dive into what the essence of honey is. But have we reached its s? How do we know now what what honey is? Um. We don't until we taste it. Once we taste it, it. yeah. Once we taste it, then we know something. But what is it that we know? It's not biology, chemistry, math, words. It's it's none of those things. What is it? Sure. Yeah. So yeah. So so you see what I mean? Like that pushing into the boundaries and. exploring what um knowledge is what truth is um did that did that make sense <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. totally how's uh how's our existentialism here melanie oh yeah that's good stuff we, right we doing good <laughs> yeah i think so <laughs> so yeah that's, that's experienced that's... existentialist <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, All right, you know, so we're 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 um, definitely a a thinking man's science fiction, but uh, we did have some action, we did mm-hmm. have some explosions, we had some you know bad guys trying to take over Moonbase Alpha and things like that. Um, you know, the, so Space nineteen ninety nine is not void of of that sort of thing. You know, there's um, I think I saw I don't know if it was Melanie or somebody else had posted regarding. Uh, the fact that they kept losing uh, their spaceships, the, their eagles, and then, you know, they, they were down to, oh, yeah. uh, I don't know. <laughs> and then all of a sudden there's like, they're, they're, they're back again. Um, but it's kind of funny uh, prop wise, uh, you know, wh- whatever. But um, it, it, the, the, the action uh, in space 1999 definitely served a purpose. It wasn't just blind action. I mean, they were following a story and I think there was mm-hmm. a formula in, in a lot of their, um, episodes, but, um, it's got, it it had to have been hard for the writers and producers to, to, you know, week in and week out to really, um, uh, what do I say that to, to really, uh, capture the essence of, of a grown up science fiction with these actors and these scenarios and this show in particular and not fall into the, the trap of 
this just being a, a an empty, you know, no, you know, calories only action flick, which, you know, I think we'll talk about it when we get there. You know, it did turn into that in season two. Um, but um, and then obviously we talked about, the, you know, the whole Star Trek situation. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's definitely a show that. Uh, that you can't just watch once. Um, uh-uh. It's so, you know you really have to think about it, and um, and then you know pick it apart. Uh, you know even in its uh, in its glory days back in the seventies, I think uh, I think it worked very well. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, yesterday I, wa- I rewatched um, one of the episodes of Space Brain, um, which is one of my favorites, um, where they meet a, a living. Um, entity, the brain of a living, living entity in space. Um, and so part of that action, it was, it's a kind of a sh- uh, episode that was high concept, but also had the action aspect to it as well. Um, and there was like, uh, the antibodies of this entity were attacking the moon base and, um, they are being crushed by this foam, uh, which was, it was just, it looked like, um, soap and bubbles and stuff so it, it was a little right. bit hu- humorous um but you know there it was the it did feel serious that this was a serious threat um so yeah the, it was really i thought it did a good job of combining action and in, in the cerebral together uh at least the first season and i think people make a mistake too when they when they look back on it especially if they haven't you know, if they're coming to it from, from like Star Wars and then looking backwards, mm. it's hard to, you can't really compare it because the technology mm-hmm. for special effects and things were so, you know, Lucas took that to a whole other level. Yeah. Things weren't true. like that before, mm-hmm. you know, so to, you know, to a kid, like when I was growing up pre-Star Wars, this was really impressive. Oh yeah. I right. can imagine. Yeah. And, and you're also coming from from 2001 that's that would have been your point of reference Mm -hmm. here and so looking at that i thought well wow this is just like 2001 that's what i thought yeah i mean i thought the same thing when i when i discovered it (laughs) because it has that same it has that same clean look to it Mm -hmm. to the design it has that contemplative and serious nature because nobody in this show is winking at the camera Mm -mm. right when they're playing it you know they're playing it for real Exactly. And I and I like the fact that, that there's some complexity because, you know, um, Koenig's making, making decisions that he wasn't really prepared to make. You know, he wasn't supposed to be in this yeah. situation. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, he was supposed to be an administrator, basically. And it's sort of a quasi-political thing, you know, when he first gets there. Right. Yeah, he's going to take I, this over and he's going to be sort of a liaison role and it's not, you know, he's not really in charge. Well, mm-hmm. he's really in charge now, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and, and he may have been prepared in some ways for it, but he certainly wasn't prepared for something of this magnitude. Mm-mm. And he's making these decisions that are impacting him and he's not coming to it like, like say, like a Jim Kirk would come to it from the military. Right. Where, well, this is what we've got to do. And it's, it might be heartbreaking, but we've got to do it. And Koenig is at, at main mission tearing up over it. Mm-hmm. And he's not afraid to do it in front of the people he's in charge of. 
Yeah, here. And so there's a complexity there that Mm -hmm. that we don't always see. Yeah, the vulnerability Mm -hmm. of the of the leader. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think the um, this is that's one of the the reasons that I think this little group of of actors really succeeded in selling the not only the concept of the show but really selling the stories. Um, and, and you're right. Nobody's looking at the camera and, and, you know, you know, shrugging their shoulders and, you know, saying, ha ha ha, check this out. But it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, a, again, just kudos to the actors for, for, uh, playing the role straight. Uh, you know, there's so many, um, now I'm, I'm looking through a list of some of the episode titles and kind of reading through them just to kind of refresh my memory. I mean, there, there are a couple of things that, uh, and I was going to say when you mentioned, um, space brain, mm-hmm. I was, I was going to mention Spock's brain oh. and I'm, I'm <laughs> looking through, um, some episode, uh, synopsis of space 1999. And there's, there's one that kind of reminded me of, uh, of the character of Q who's, uh, immortal. Um, oh. I think the name of the episode is end of eternity. Oh, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so there's, there's a lot of little things that I guess, you know, um, and I don't know, people might not, you know, really remember this show for various reasons. Like I said, it was a long time ago. Um, but, um, it does seem like Star Trek and uh, science fiction, you know, from, you know, even the late 70s and, and 90s um, pulled from from these stories, um, mm-hmm. even even back then, which I think is cool. You know, it, it's it's kind of a homage to old science fiction of, of the past, bringing that those concepts into uh, into the new, uh, you know, for new audiences. Mm-hmm. I really do. um I really do recommend people to watch this series because it really is great. You get past all the, the dated, you know, special effects and, and the, mm-hmm. and the, you know, corny um, action sequences in the hallways where, you know, a panel explodes and they go flying <laughs> off onto a mattress somewhere, but it really is a, a great little series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So do you guys want to, um, anything else on season one before we transition? Because there's, uh, there's a bit of a change in season two, but, uh, any, any other thoughts on season one or, or, or the show up until this point? Um, well, I would say that, um, another aspect, um, you know, of the show that I really loved was, um, that they didn't try to wrap their stories up into like a tidy bow. Um, they weren't there to like give you all the answers. Um, they allowed for ambiguity and for questioning. You know, I don't think, um, especially a lot of modern day shows, um, ambiguity, you know, writers try to avoid that. Everything always has to be clear and, you know, everything always has to be, you know, in a, in a box, um, understood, but this show allowed um, for the strangeness, the the uh, yeah, just the ambiguity of it, and um, and it, le- it left room for the audiences to be thinking and to exploring exploring the concepts on their own, uh, which I think is what every good science fiction should do. Um, 
they should allow for that, that thinking space. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love it. Any favorite guest stars? Or Melanie, you were, you were about to say something. Mm -hmm. Did I cut you off? No, you didn't. I was going to tell you, I did find out. I did get information on the font. Oh, Oh. nice. (laughs) The font is from Letra set. Oh, okay. And it is called countdown. Countdown. Okay. Of course it is. Of course it is. (laughs) I texted my sister and she says, Of course I know. (laughs) Uh, uh, Say say thank you to your sister. I really appreciate that. I will. (laughs) Absolutely. What a bunch of nerds. (laughs) Graphic nerds. Next week, we're going to be talking about sans serif fonts in (laughs) sci fi. And why Comic Sans is evil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or um, um, uh, what's the font for uh, Avatar? Um, oh, I'm blanking on the title. Um, oh, I can't remember I th- it right now. I think Broadway font is more evil than Comic Sans. <laughs> really? Yeah. I have uh, I I've settled my acceptance of Comic Sans in in some projects. I'm okay this, with it. This this feels like a scare of Twitter poll. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. What's most okay. evil? Let jotting, let, let the listeners decide. Yep. <laughs> Comic Sans sounds good. All right, let's talk about guest stars because um, I obviously as a kid you don't remember these actors. And they appeared in this series way before uh, we saw them in uh, some subsequent science fiction in the Mm -hmm. 70s. And I was just kind of, uh, I was a little blown away at how many Star Wars actors in particular were in this show. Some names that I saw in the credits. There are wonders out there beyond your imagination. Everything you've wished for on Earth. The good things I offer you. A world without fear. A world without fear. Not your world, Commander. It will be, Father. We are to be united as one. That is impossible. But you have taught me that love is the bridge between all worlds. Only when you know how to cross it. You have yet to learn the way. There. You see, Lord Vader, she can be reasonable. What are some of the notables, Melanie? Well, um, this isn't Star Wars, but Joan Collins. Yeah. Pre-Dynasty. Pre-Dynasty. <laughs> Ian um, McShane. Yeah. And Sarah Douglas. We remember Sarah Douglas. Yeah. Superman and um, Peter Cushing, David Prowse, Julian Glover, Christopher Lee, mm-hmm. Brian Blessed, who was also in Flash Gordon. Yep. Yep. I was, um, and obviously, you know, David Prowse is one of those actors that unfortunately he's always behind a mask, obviously mm-hmm. being the, uh, the body of uh, the Dark Lord of the Sith himself. But um, yeah, watching that one episode and I see his name in the credits, I'm like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> he was the creature. 
But yeah, <laughs> yeah, really, really great stuff. And there's one actor, and I can't remember his name, but he was one of the technicians in Star Wars at the end of the movie when he um, helps uh, another technician pick up R2 after the Battle of the Death Star and, uh, you know, says, uh, we'll get to work on him right away. And uh, he's just, you know, he's just in that movie, but he's in, he's in Space 1999 as well. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I recognize him. So, you know, we have in the notes, um, and this is uh, definitely Melanie's work, the creation and production of Space 1999. We have a nice little list, little tidbit of uh, all the cool things that, uh, that were part of uh, the production. Want to go through that real fast? Sure. Um, so Space 1999 originally was going to be the second series of UFO, which is another great show. If that's was that was a, the one that we were talking about Project Blue Book and yes. X X Files and all that stuff. Yes. Yeah. In in crazy November. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> lights Fun lights November. in the sky November. Yeah, yeah, lights in the sky November. And uh, but UFO is a great show. If 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 the listeners have not seen that, that's a really great show. Um, oh, but this I, was supposed to be. Oh, I think you'd enjoy it. It's oh, I, okay. I liked it. Um, but this was originally supposed to be the second series and then that wasn't going to happen. And so pre-production for that was already underway when the decision was made to make space night, what became space 1999. So they had to go through several rewrites, of course, cause they were already underway with what, where they thought they were going. Um, but they did take inspiration from 2001. Um, Brian Johnson, um, who worked on 2001 and Thunderbirds, which was um, another previous series by the same production team, uh, worked on that, uh, worked on the effects for that. Um, George Lucas actually visited him and wanted him to work on Star Wars, but he was committed oh. to the second series of Space 1999, so he couldn't. Mm. Uh. Uh, but he did come back for Empire Strikes Back oh, and cool. his nice. Oscar, by the way. <laughs> Oh, really? Very nice. Um, and he also worked on Alien and got an Oscar for that, too, his team. Very so, nice. So they've got some bona fides with this show. They really do. Yeah. Absolutely. That's cool. Excellent. You did say Brian Johnson, right? Not the Brian other Johnson. Johnson. Not Brian. the other Johnson. Okay, sorry. Brian with a B. Okay. I was <laughs> I was getting nervous. I was getting nervous. Thanks no, for clearing that up. No, I know. It's a curse word on your show. I don't say <laughs> All right, so uh, season two of Space 1999, I have a confession. Mm-hmm. Maya, the science officer, was my very first television alien crush. Hmm. Oh, there you go. <laughs> That's cute. Well, she is yeah, very glamorous. Sh- yeah, glamorous. yeah, she is. Mm-hmm. I, li- I liked when she changed into a, an owl. Oh, and I will say my memory, my childhood memory of season two is um, when I started to make my departure from the normal kids. <laughs> I was at one of the first one of the first sleepovers of my life at my best friend Wendy's house. And I got dropped off. Her dad was in the living room watching Space 1999. <laughs> and I nice. stopped. 
Yeah. In the middle, because we were on our way to play Barbies, you see. And <laughs> I said, oh, did it just start? And he goes, oh, yeah. Do you watch this show? And I said, oh, yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Wendy's looking at me like I've, you know, grown a second face or something. Yeah. And uh, he goes, yeah, you want to watch it? He says, he says, the pizza's on its way. And I was like, okay. Oh, God. And so I ended up sitting with her parents uh, watching Space 1999 while she went to her room in a huff. So oh, yeah, no. that's funny. That's my story of leaving the normals. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> you were really, you no, know, we've obviously, Shanti and I have found out that you are, uh, you were a very uh, unique child, Melanie. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's nice way of saying it. Yeah, it's really sweet. <laughs> but you know what? The thing is, though, I didn't care. You know, I liked yeah. what I liked and. You know, yeah, things cool. come along or not. No, I think that's absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. So, very admirable. <laughs> I'm Sonny Tufts. I'm Gloria Jean. Join us here on WCBN News ZHYO TV right here in Scarsdale <laughs> for the most exciting new show since Whiplash Space 1999. A firecracker explodes, sending the moon into a complete tizzy. And making all of us totally wacko. Come with us and our co-star, S.C. Sackow. Space 1999, it's going to be a very, very good year. Well, fair. Not too bad. Come see, come see. Well, good enough for Abe Mandel. For Abe Mandel. <laughs> So uh, we talked about the season change, the the uh, the look and feel of uh, season two, uh, the change that uh, were very was very noticeable. Uh, one obviously one of the big things that I noticed was the um, the bridge of Moonbase Alpha was a lot smaller. They brought in some uh, new characters. Uh, I mentioned Maya, and uh, I know in your notes uh, who is your favorite character and why. And I think I just spilled the beans on that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For for me personally, anyways, but um, yeah. What about you guys? As far as what, like favorite uh, second season characters? Um, oh, and the do- our our doctor's gone. Well, yeah, yeah I wasn't just... happy about that. I really yeah. liked him. Yeah, I know. I don't understand why they got rid of him. And I know it was really a contractual slash money thing, but mm. they they could have made that happen. Sure, of course. Is this but where think- we rant about Freiburger? Is this where we rant? <laughs> is is that where the placement is, or should we save that for later? It's all his you fault. Can, you can you can go you can go rant for sure. Okay, oh, yeah. so, you know. do it. So, um, so we are aware that he has the nickname the serial killer, right? Oh God! I did. He did. Or seriously, because he was the last season of Star Trek. He was the last season of the Six Million Dollar Man. It's like everything he touches dies. Gosh, (laughs) a serial killer. Yeah, serial killer. And so, one thing that I that I that I really wish that. Jerry Anderson, and I know I've seen interviews with him, and he wished he had wished that too, that he had stood up to the producers who said, you have to tailor this to an American audience. Mm. Because what they thought people wanted was, I don't think that was it. 
it was a you know it was a lot of a lot of flashbang and a lot of you know not really what the show was supposed to be about and it sort of loses its way a little bit i think it's not that it's not enjoyable it's just it's just different i mean you just have to really switch gears with it but a lot of that rests with Freiburger. Well, yeah, I mean, to me, that doesn't even make any sense logically because it's like the fans of the show have been got, have been introduced to season one, what that's about the themes and the, the structure of season one. So why would they want a totally different show? Like it doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. Because everything top to bottom really is different. I mean, and you mm-hmm. have, you have characters that people were used to seeing that just disappeared mm-hmm. with really no explanation. We just replace them with somebody else and they changed the theme and the, I mean, it was just, you know, the uniforms were different. The sets were different. And it's a weird, it's, it's kind of a weird philosophy to have. Um, his, I guess his team decided that if a show was to succeed in the second season, it, it couldn't be the same as the first. <laughs> and it, I, I don't understand it. I don't yeah. understand it. Yeah. You know, I, early, I mean, and the, uh, the Anderson television. split up too. So mm. there was that. So that, because I know that the actors had relied on, on uh, Sylvia more, um, to, you know, to, as the person to talk to you know, when they had problems and she was the Mm. one who was more the people person. And so they, when they lost that, I think, you know, that's, that's a strain. Well, he did produce Josie and the Pussycats in outer space. So there's that. Yeah. Yeah. Gave him a monkey, sent him to space. (laughs) But you know, he, he also, he wrote episodes for super friends. I mean, he had a really weird sort of career trajectory but you know if you want to come in and wreck your show he's your guy i i I don't know i I can't forgive him rest his soul i can't forgive him but um very interesting yeah but i know one thing that i miss from the first season in the second season is is it's sort of the sets aren't uh, aren't as expansive and so you end up they end up being a little bit claustrophobic Hmm. To me, I mean, it, it feels like they're just sort of really pressed in on each other where, you know, we had some some literal space in the first season that we don't have in the second. Yeah, these uh, like all the decisions for the changes like were just bad. <laughs> and then the oh, can we talk about the monsters, the Gorn of the Week? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talk about uh, things that you can do in your backyard. Exactly. Oh, it's like, well, yeah. It's like poor David Prowse. Oh gosh, yes. And and the ones that I mean, some of them even had like um, sort of armor and things like that. It was it was just so bizarre and so. Mm. It was just kind of what. <laughs> I mean, it's not that you can't enjoy it, and I don't mean to. I don't mean to. I'm, and I'm not slamming the show itself so hard, really, because I mean, you can enjoy it. You just have to really flip a switch in your mind about it. 
that, mm-hmm. you know, this is kind of where we're going with it now. Right. Yeah. And it's more like a, a choose your own adventure space, 1999 than it is more contem- the more contemplative first series. Yeah. What other shows suffered from that? Um, Buck Rogers. Mm-hmm. Incredibly, uh, weird, uh, last season, very different from the first. Mm-hmm. What if that was like a seventies thing? They just wanted to switch things up. I mean, you know, it's always, it always comes down to money first and foremost, I think, you know, yeah. we, okay. uh, we did uh, we did well with the first season, but uh, no, I, I mean, as far as that philosophy, uh, you know, people won't watch it if if they've already seen seen the first episode. Let's change it up a little bit. It's just kind of odd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was really strange, and then you know they had the sort of the sort of monster of the week thing because they thought American audiences really liked monsters, right. <laughs> And that's just sort of such a 50s way of thinking. And then that's sort of the way it went. You know, it kind of went back to that sort of 50s sci-fi aesthetic where every alien's an enemy. And, you know, the first thing you do is sort of, sort of vaporize them. You know, that's what <laughs> right. you're trying to do. Yeah. Let's and shoot them first and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know if their blood's acid. Let's try it. You know. Like, oh, gosh. Yeah, it definitely stripped the cerebral part of the formula way, uh, way off mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, well, yeah, and it, and it turned. Go ahead. Oh uh, yeah, I was just gonna say that. I mean, I was just thinking of Space Brain, where uh, Koenig was um, troubled in his spirit for harming another life form. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Because you'd never have an episode like Black Sun. Mm-mm. In the second season, where you know you have you have uh, Victor and Koenig just sitting there, you know, just you know talking about the nature of existence and yeah, <laughs> their place in the universe and all this, you know, and it just there's not time for that, you know. There's it, and the pacing is so different in the second series too. It's it's sort of this breakneck pacing, you know, and you barely get settled in one place when something else happens. And that's okay if that's, you know, you're making an adventure story, but it made it more like a, like a Saturday morning sort of show. Yeah. Than a primetime sort of show to me. I mean, and that's not, I mean, because there's things like that I enjoy and it's nowhere near like Land of the Lost. I'm not saying it's like that, (laughs) but (laughs) it's, um, but it, but it's got that kind of feeling to it that it's, that that's all it was supposed to be. That it was just sort of supposed to be a fun thing, you know, while you have your cereal or whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it just two good, two completely different shows. Mm-hmm. They should have chose, you know, it's either, it's either, or you can't have both. Like it just doesn't work together. Yeah. <laughs> Any other thoughts on uh second season? I think we're, we're kind of speechless on the second season and what happened. It's one of those things where you're never really ever going to understand why they did it. I mean, I can, I mean, I've heard why they did it, but it still it makes no sense to me. Um, I'm like thinking of all these shows. Oh, Galactica 1980. Oh my oh, God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was really different too. Yeah. Jeez Louise on that but one. But it also, you know, especially with Space 1999, it really makes you wonder 
what it could have been if they had kept the first season aesthetic and then let it naturally, you know, play out over three or four seasons, what it would have been like. I think the series would be uh, a little bit more popular. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it kind of, uh, it kind of died out in a little fizzle Mm -hmm. uh, without, uh, you know, the pomps and circumstance of, of kind of a prestige series of the Mm seventies. You know, something like Star Trek that lasted a little longer than space 1999, you know, obviously still had its followings. Uh, It, uh, you know, thanks to syndication, people found it and found it again. Um, But with space 1999, you know, I, I forgot about the show. Until, you know, I think I saw, again, you know, us kind of being not, I don't want to say ahead of the curve, but sometimes things come to my brain and I post it and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I I got to look for the show now and do a, a podcast mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, and then all of a sudden I start seeing, you know, everybody's posting about old shows. I mean, that's what happened with the, with the Black Hole. Mm-hmm. I started thinking about the black hole. I'm like, oh, we should do a series on it. And all of a sudden, I start seeing shots of Maximilian and and uh, Vincent and all those cool robots. But yeah, absolutely, such a strange series. But I love it. Um, final words on Space 1999. Watch it, watch it, watch it. It's free. You can watch it for free. It's on Wait, Tubi. Besides it being free, though, I think it is, uh, it's kind of, you know, if you really are into and science it, fiction, yeah, uh, it's it, worth it, it. It's a great show. And I, and I, and I said on, uh, I posted on Twitter that I actually have enjoyed rewatching it more than I enjoyed rewatching Star Trek, the original series, which I rewatched mm-hmm. not too long ago. I think it's because Star Trek has, has been in syndication for so long and I've seen them so many times. Right. That, you know, I don't even have to watch the screen to know what's happening. And with this one, it, it really, it just really captured my imagination the same way it did when I was little. So it's definitely yeah. worth mm-hmm. watching. Yeah. And it, and it does, and it, and it, and it hits me differently now because I can think about things in a different way mm-hmm. and I understand more of the point of it. Yeah. Not just the fun mm-hmm. of the story. Yeah, sure. That's, that's beautiful. Danielle, final thoughts, space 1999. Um, yeah. Um, I would say that people should watch it, um, because it, you know, in the in the same in a similar way, uh, us here on Earth are kind of expanding out into space. Like the the Alpha was, you know, on the Moon. They're, you know, um, projected out into space, and so there's like this sense of loneliness of drifting into the into the black, um, the you know the unknown the. Um, no, nowhere to call their home, you know, that, yeah, just the extreme loneliness. And I think that we can relate to that, um, in our, you know, humanity can relate to that. Um, cause we're, we're going, you know, we're moving through space, uh, you know, earth orbits the sun, the sun orbits 
the Milky Way and everything is, all of it is expanding. Uh, we know that um, this expansion is speeding up. Um, that's what scientists have been saying. Um, so what are we expanding into, you know, and space is dangerous and empty and harrowing and bleak and beautiful and dreadful and it's and mysterious and, um, you know, it kind of helps us orient ourselves to our, our own universe and all that we could um, discover in it. Um, so that's why, and you know. With the Artemis program, all of this is becoming real now. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes, exactly. You know, we're gonna have we're gonna have bases now. Yes, that's my that's my dream to see that happen mm -hmm. in my lifetime. <laughs> I'm giving it all she's got, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> And on that note, I just want to mention that um, the interwebs is probably listening to our conversation because I just got a pop-up from Amazon trying to sell me the official John Koenig uniform t-shirt from Space 1999 <laughs> oh uh, <my> <laughs> cosplay edition, which is really scary. Yeah. Stop it, Amazon. <laughs> They're always listening. Big Brother is always <laughs> listening. <laughs> Ladies, it uh, has been a real treat talking Space 1999. We have been excited for this one for a long time. Mm -hmm. Danielle, please tell the folks where people can find you to say hello there. Uh, yes, um, you can visit uh, my website, um, dpillustrations.com, or you can uh, find me on Twitter um, at Sayadina Heresy. Um, that's where I, I'm usually on Twitter, mostly. <laughs> Excellent. And uh, are you, uh, we, we're kind of doing a little uh, project with the This Is Sci-Fi hashtag, and uh, hopefully you guys will follow the This Is Sci-Fi hashtag. There's a lot of things coming down the pipeline on that, a lot of mm -hmm. collaborations. And, yeah, uh, I, I, I that, follow that. should be I a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Melanie, where can people find you to say hello there? Oh, on Twitter at Melanie Marquita. I'm still trying with the Instagram, I swear. <laughs> there's a, there's not enough uh, Harrison Ford pictures for your Instagram account. Just keep them coming. Yeah, I'm, I would have trouble choosing, honestly. What do you see? I should invite you to my Pinterest board. My mythical Pinterest board. It's too funny. It's too funny. Excellent. Guys, thank you so much for listening to episode, what did I say this was? Going to be episode 139 of the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. And uh, if you like this show, if you liked what you hear, please tell a friend. That's how we grow. But if you want to leave us a voicemail, what do you remember about Space 1999? Give us a call. Leave us a voicemail. We'll check it out at 773-234-8659. Remember to put that phone number in your Rolodex. People don't use Rolodexes anymore, do they? <laughs> Not at no, all, but no. um, please, uh, I guess, uh, push the appropriately sequenced numbers uh, on your phone 
and leave a voicemail. Thank you very much, everyone. This is Ro. Thank you, Danielle and Melanie. Always welcomed here on the Scare Scuttlebutt podcast. We'll see you next time. And that's the Scuttlebutt. Just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the Red 5 Network family. Red5network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love. So the next time you're itching for quality content, make sure you head over to red5network.com. You'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more. All wings report in. It's the Red 5 Network. <laughs> <laughs>